Howdy folks and welcome to A Green Way Forward. I'm your host David Cobb. This is the show where we talk about issues, organizations, events, uh, through the, specifically through the lens of the Green Party's four pillars of peace, justice, democracy, and ecology. As always, I'm joined by co-host Michael O'Neill in Syracuse, New York. Howdy, Michael. Hey, David. Hey, everyone. So, Michael, I want to welcome you back from the road. You just got back from a pretty grueling road trip uh, to the Buckeye State uh, where... Uh, you were born and raised. How you feeling? I can't say it was grueling, David. I mean, it was a seven-hour trip, but, uh, you know, traffic wasn't bad. Weather wasn't bad. I got no complaints. Had a wonderful trip uh, with my family. Uh, congratulations to Tim and Jen on their wedding. And, uh, yeah, I could, could not be happier with how the weekend went. But thank you for asking. Oh, so you're so welcome. And, I, you know, I... Uh, I I always love to celebrate uh, weddings, especially when they bring together extended blended families. Uh, I was just in Texas where I, uh, I've gotten a lot of joke uh, mileage out of this joke, Mike, Michael. I went back to Texas to marry my cousin. Nice. Which, of course, I mean, <laughs> okay. I officiated at the wedding, right? Right. Uh, but anyway, both of us had uh, wanted to share the congratulations. I want to share my congratulations to my cousin, Lynn, uh, and her new husband, Willie. Uh, and Michael, I'm really excited because this week is May Day. So in advance, I'm going to wish you a happy May Day and a happy May Day uh, to all of the viewers and listeners of A Green Way Forward. Well, thank you, David. And a happy May Day to you as well. You know, uh, and I wanted to start this program uh, first by reminding everyone, if you are watching us live on Facebook, you can join the discussion by participating in the comments. Also, please do share this link on your own page or any page that you manage. And for all of you, whether you're listening to it on a podcast, watching it uh, live on a live stream or uh, listening to it in any way, shape or form, please go to the website a greenwayforward.org and sign up so that we can continue to build this audience, build this platform to be a place where we continue to build the movement for peace, justice, democracy, and ecology. I want to start this program really by anchoring the fact that May Day really is International Workers' Day. And throughout the rest of the world, it is in effect a celebration of the working classes and of labor and the international labor movement uh, really celebrates May Day, uh, and that it is particularly ironic that the date of May 1st for May Day uh, and for International Workers' Day comes out of two very related things. One, the uh, sort of pan-national organization of socialist and communist political parties uh, that were calling for an eight-hour work week uh, that came out of the Second International uh, and I want to uh, read very specifically from the call because I think it's telling for the work that we do. Quote, all social democratic party organizations and trade unions of all countries call to demonstrate energetically on the 1st of May for the legal establishment of the eight hour day for the class demands of the working class and for universal peace. Michael, to me, uh, the, 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 the connection between the military industrial complex, a working class demands for social justice. Let's just lift up the fact uh, that the socialist, communist uh, and anarchist uh, traditions of 100 years ago uh, were really at the forefront. And those were social movements. Absolutely. And I think that it's 
you know, there's a, a lot of amazing history uh, around that that time, and and I, I think of like the the uh, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire and how that helped spur uh, women specifically, women workers in in fighting for their rights as workers and for worker safety, and uh, so th- there's a, a rich history there that I encourage people to dive into, whether it's through something like Howard Zinn's A People's History of the United States or any number of uh, different workers' history and people's history resources out there online and in their communities. So, again, remember that what you had was a international call to make the eight-hour workday a, a demand, a, a, a call for universal peace and an end to war, uh, and, again, the call for the demands of the working class but why May Day? Why May first? Well, because in this country, a horrific uh, history that some folks call the Haymarket Affair, but I'm going to call it what I think it really is, and that is the Haymarket Massacre. This was a bombing that took place at a labor demonstration uh, at Haymarket Square in Chicago. It began as a peaceful rally in support of workers who were striking for what? Can you guess? That's right, an eight-hour workday. And by the way, the day before, the police had killed eight workers. Now, we don't know exactly who did it, but we do know that an unknown person uh, threw a small uh, stick of dynamite uh, and the the bomb blast then resulted in gunfire. Seven police officers uh, were killed, civilians were killed, dozens were wounded, um, there was a basically kangaroo court. Uh, a number of uh, folks were, uh, were were prosecuted for it. The legal proceedings were pretty horrific. Uh, the aftermath uh, became the, the vocal point for a red scare uh, in this country where immigrants and uh, uh, social change agents, workers, uh, trade unionists were basically rounded up, beaten up. Uh, imprisoned. I mean, it's a bloody, horrific history. And in the rest of the world, Michael, the rest of the world celebrates International Workers' Day in commemoration uh, of the Haymarket Massacre and the Haymarket Martyrs. Uh, and yet in this country, that hit, that history has basically been hit. And so in this country, usually Labor Day is what people most commonly think of when they think of the holiday for workers. So why, so I, I have a feeling these two points are linked, right? That the fact that May Day, that May Day was erased and instead we have uh, Labor Day, Labor Day in and of itself is, is a product of that Red Scare, you know, McCarthyist uh, mentality of, well, you know, we're going to give you a day off for, uh, from work. But we're going to cut off the idea of celebrating workers from the idea of workers' struggle for freedom, from the idea of a workers' resolution, uh, revolution, and certainly from the idea of an, an international uh, revolution or struggle for workers' rights and, and you know, where that has manifested in places uh, in, in other parts of the world. You know, thank you, Michael. That's absolutely right. You made the connection that is really there for anybody to look at. And if you look at the actual history of the creation of Labor Day uh, in this country, the first uh, Monday of September, and wonder, well, why is it that we're having Labor Day at that moment? 
that the short answer is because the United States Congress was compelled to join the rest of the world in acknowledging something around a, a day off, but they were absolutely committed to uh, attempting to de-link it from international struggle or, or from struggle at all from the Haymarket massacre specifically and from the notion of it being an international uh, celebration. So I think it's important for us to not only uh, lift up the Haymarket uh, martyrs, not only to remember the importance of uh, free speech and the, the work that has been done there, but also to recognize that even as we uh, celebrate uh, Labor Day and we should and participate in those events, really we as Greens and other social change agents need to recapture, reclaim, and remember our own hidden history. And for me, May Day is a profound example of that. And so I really work hard uh, to try to lift up May Day as a, an important day to remember. There is a particular perspective there around the international aspects, around actual struggle, around being willing to be disruptive and being serious. And also, it's it's fun. Uh, May Day <laughs> is a great spring holiday. Like, let's celebrate the warming weather. Let's uh, celebrate. Uh, I mean, look, spring is f- full of all kinds of fertility imagery and and, you know, things becoming lush and green. And for me, I think about um, how the, the weather becomes a lot more hospitable towards uh, outdoor actions and outdoor organizing, whether it's canvassing or tabling or, or marches or protests. And, and let's take a moment to celebrate that and not just to remember, but also to celebrate. So here in Syracuse, I'm uh, participating with uh, just a, a movie screening that we're going to be having uh, at our uh, community uh, worker center, the Worker Cen- Center of Central New York. Now, David, I know you have some uh, very big plans for May Day that we want to dive into in just a moment. Um, but I also uh, think that it's it's important to call attention to the timing of May Day, not just being um, great uh, luck with with you know the weather getting better, but also that it is so close to Earth Day. And we've been talking about Earth Day for the last couple of weeks, and the idea of an Earth Day to May Day connection. This is important from an eco socialist perspective because. One of the pillars of eco-socialism is that we are, we are connecting the struggle for uh, the planet and for sustainable environment and a sustainable society, but also the just transition that we must have so that uh, all workers, and in particular those who uh, are currently working in the fossil fuel-intensive economy, they have to be brought along with us in this transition to a Green New Deal towards an eco-socialist society and that we need to make sure that uh, people's economic needs are met as we transition away from fossil fuels and automobiles and and just this greenhouse gas intensive society. Number one, because it's just the right thing to do. But number two, also because politically, we're not going to be able to get the mass of people that we need behind that project if they think they're going to be thrown under the the proverbial bus or magnetic levitation train, uh, whichever metaphor that you prefer. So let's uh, connect uh, Earth Day to May Day. It's, we get so few lucky breaks 
as eco-socialist nonviolent revolutionaries, let's make use of the ones that we get and having Tax Day, Earth Day, and May Day as a, a kind of high holy days of eco-socialism is something that as Greens, we should be pushing every year and building up to every year. Tax Day. You know, Michael, Go ahead, David. I love that idea. And in fact, I am kind of inspired by this conversation and the conversation that we had last week with our audience. You know, I'm actually making a commitment now that uh, next year, I want to be part of helping to build a Tax Day to Earth Day to May Day. April 15, May, uh, April 22, May 1st, let's make that block of time something where we're doing exciting things that are tying the military industrial complex, capitalism, patriarchy. Let's actually remember that May Day comes out of pagan celebrations, uh, a time when there was actually not a matriarchal society, but instead uh, an appreciation of the sacred masculine and the sacred feminine uh, together. I mean, I really think that you're onto something here with this tax day to Earth Day to May Day being one of those sort of high holy days for eco-socialism. Uh, so let's take advantage of it. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm making that pledge right now to you and to the viewers and listeners of A Green Way Forward. Let's make that happen in 2020. Make May Day sexy. <laughs> I right? love it. Absolutely. Sun's out, guns out. I got to say, I feel like uh, we accidentally did a little of that here in Humboldt County uh, during that time frame, because just last weekend, uh, we hosted a post-capitalism conference, Building the Solidarity Economy. We brought Emily Kawano of the Solidarity Economy Network and Jerome Scott of the U.S. Social Forum and Kucha Risling-Baldi of the Native Women's Circle and Kali Akuno of Cooperation Jackson together as uh, keynote speakers had over 150 people at the opening plenary on Friday night. Michael, we asked them hard questions like, uh, in this moment, should we be struggling for reform or revolution? We asked, can capitalism be reformed uh, or do we need to restructure the entire economy? Uh, we asked, do we have enough time? Uh, to restructure uh, the economy and shift to a, uh, a new economic system before uh, the climate disaster uh, encompasses us all. We really took that time on Friday night to ask these panelists super hard questions. And I was really excited to share with folks that we built in and hardwired into that uh, five different times for five minutes to have people turn to each other in groups of three or four and react to what the speakers had said so that we made it a participatory process. We didn't just have keynote speakers delivering a speech one after the other at the recipients, but instead uh, turned it into this sort of participatory process. And Michael, you should have seen it. The the level of buzz and enthusiasm. I mean, whenever people were talking, you could literally hear it as a buzz. And uh, towards the end of each one of those segments, I could literally hear the volume raising because people were getting so animated and exciting. So it was a fantastic uh, opening plenary. And wait, there's more because on Saturday, we had another over 150 people come uh, to various workshops on public banking, participatory budgeting, self-care, 
uh, for social change activists, uh, how to use kinetic exercises and theater of the oppressed uh, in the work that we do. We had sessions on uh, the proper role of electoral politics. Uh, you know, like we had five tracks, five different times, so 25 different sessions. Wow. So a total of about 250 people between the Friday and the Saturday because there was a lot of overlap, but not exclusively. So we're really very excited and want to encourage listeners and, and viewers of A Green Way Forward to click the link uh, that is available to you now uh, and check out some of the videos of those uh, things that are available on the Cooperation Humboldt website. Yes, I I know I'm going to be checking out those videos and listening to them over the course of this week. And I strongly encourage other folks to do that as well. I want to give a quick shout out to Jamal, who said that his birthday is May 1st. So happy birthday to Jamal in a couple days. And what a, a wonderful uh, birthday to share uh, with May Day. And uh, what you're doing in Humboldt County, David, sounds amazing. And I want to uh, talk to you a bit about what your plans are in May Day. I if the people who are listening and watching right now or anything like me, they're thinking like, man, I want to, you know, help co-produce a, a, you know, day of, of workshops or a weekend of, of workshops and have, you know, five different panel tracks and things like that. And the reality is that you didn't just put all that together in, in one month or in one <laughs> session. This is, you know, this is the, the product of a of a a group that you have been working with and nurturing relationships in for quite some time, but I want to talk to you about um, a, an event that you're working on that's maybe of a of a scale that people might be able to build up towards in the shorter term, and though that is your plans for uh, May Day this week. So, David, t- can you please tell me about uh, what uh, how Humboldt County how the, 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 the eco-socialists and, and the radicals and, and the people who are down for workers' struggle will be celebrating May Day in Humboldt County this week. Well, this week, uh, Wednesday, May 1st, we'll actually gather at the Humboldt County Courthouse for a typical uh, rally and a, a couple of speeches. Uh, from that rally, then we'll take a march uh, to the, the town square it's known as the gazebo. It literally is the town square of our community. Uh, we will march there together, uh, and uh, uh, then we will conclude that march uh, at a festival uh, at the gazebo area. We will have uh, booths, uh, informational booths. There'll be food that will be shared for free. There'll be speakers, and there'll be music and bands. And wait, Michael, along the way, it's not just a march with chants, which is good, but you know what's better than just marching uh, and chanting? What makes it even better is to march and chant and stop not once, not twice, but three different times in educational stops along the way uh, uh, at the Carson Mansion, uh, the Tulawat Island Massacre site. Uh, the Chinese expulsion side. In other words, we're talking, Michael, about doing building, hardwiring political education uh, into the march itself. So let's let's recap that for everybody because that's really important. You've got a march, you've got a festival, uh, you've got a radical local education, you've got music, you've got food. 
uh, you're, there's going to be dancing. There is, there's so much that you're bundling together, uh, to honor worker struggle, to celebrate your own community and people gathering together on a beautiful spring day. Uh, you are helping people connect to, uh, their, the, the history of their community, both the, the legacy of injustice that they want, that you want to challenge and change, but also, uh, the history of, of workers' struggles and, and people's struggles on the land that you are, uh, standing on. And so that is to me such a beautiful blend of events and, and it's a beautiful way to structure that day. And so I would really love to, Kind of pick your brain, David, and and for the benefit of our, our audience and for the benefit of myself, really dive into how this event came about because that's the kind of event I would love to have in Central New York, and or the kind of event that I would love to assist in producing in Central New York. And I suspect that a lot of our audience would love to have a similar event for May Day in their communities. So let me dive right in uh, and ask you about. Um, what was the origin of, of this uh, structure for May Day, this kind of a day-long or afternoon-long uh, sequence of events, the, the rally, the march, the, the tabling and the festival and the food and the music? How did the idea for that come about? Well, you know, Michael, uh, the, the idea came about because we already had a tradition of, of trying to reclaim May Day in various capacities in this community. Multiple organizations did, Cooperation Humboldt, the Central Labor Council, uh, Humboldt Grassroots, which is a, uh, a mostly anarchist uh, group of social change agents in our community. But uh, the, the, the real origins, to, to really just name it, is the fact that those organizations had, over time, we have developed genuine, authentic relationships with one another. Uh, they, these are groups that typically don't sort of, uh, we are not in lockstep, right? We are not in the kind of uniform alignment and universal agreement. Uh, however, we have in our community really developed a recognition uh, of division of labor, uh, in the broadest sense, but also a genuine respect uh, that we have the same goal of uh, advancing both class struggle, uh, advancing the rights uh, of immigrants and uh, indigenous people and people of color. We have the, uh, the that we are attempting to advance uh, deep uh, ecology and environmental protection issues. I guess what I'm really getting at, Michael, is authentic, respectful relationships amongst people that you have tactical disagreements, that is absolutely key. I can't say it enough. Authentic David, relationships. David, you're, you're, you're jumping ahead of the class here. So I'm going to, oh, that's okay. So there's just, there's a few things I really want to underline both for myself and for the fine folks who are joining us for this episode that Let's let's go super basic here, right? Because we've got people who have never been uh, part of producing an event like this before. Number one, you're not doing it by yourself. Let's let's underline that this is not just you know David taking all this on by himself. And I think sometimes as activists, as as you know people who maybe are new to organizing, we sometimes think we can just produce an event like this all by ourselves, and that's. Uh, Frequently, not the the best route to go. If you know, it's it's better to go together and to get people uh, working on it together. So you didn't, you're not doing it by yourself. Number two, 
Um, you have, uh, over time in your relationships, as, as you just underlined, uh, have a, an, a network, an ecosystem of different groups that you are working with, that you have discovered and, and that you have connected with over time and built relationships. And you know what their strengths are. They know what each other's strengths are. They know what your strengths are. And everyone knows like what ingredients they can contribute to the stone soup of a, a wonderful celebration like you're planning for this week. And wherever you might be in your community, you might feel like you're starting from zero, but almost certainly you're not. There are uh, centers of, of um, people's movements, of, of worker struggles, of progressive struggles, progressive centers that you can tap into. And, and part of the job is, is really exploring your community to see what's there and, and to do that in, with uh, a sense of, of humility and openness and curiosity. And then the third point I want to underline before we, we move on to the next phase of this discussion is just as you said, in encountering this, this ecosystem, this uh, network, this uh, movement of movements, you're more often than not going to encounter people and groups that you don't 100% agree with and they don't 100% agree with you. And you certainly don't agree 100% of the time. But and I want to say this, Michael, you also may not personally like each other. You may like bump up against these other things. We have to be willing to put the the the, the commitment to social change and deep ecology and eco socialism as more important than our own personal feelings or, or, or so forth. So this is a really important point. Not only that you respect tactical disagreements, but you recognize that amongst comrades, you don't actually have to even like each other. It's better if you do, to be sure, but you like you don't have to like stop looking for reasons not to work together and start looking for reasons to work together. Great. And and in focusing on the goal of like, you know, what is the kind of mayday that we want to have as a community, that shared vision that can bring people together. And you, know, you never know, as you continue to work together, then you might uh, find ways to you know, reconcile those personal differences or tactical differences and, and building even stronger relationships. And in the meantime, you uh, have uh, produced some events or programming or projects that are building strength in your community. So that's a, maybe some of the big picture overview. I'd like to get a little bit into some of the brass tacks of it. Uh, so this year, you've got this day-long programming. Uh, what did your May Day look like last year? <laughs> well, I mean, last year, it was a, a dinner and a, a brief 15-minute uh, presentation on the history of May Day. Like, that's it. Right. It was literally a potluck and a 15-minute talk and conversation at a table. So that's let's underline that. If you want to celebrate May Day in your, your community and kind of kickstart that tradition, you don't have to start with a day-long program of a, a march and a rally and a festival. You can start with a dinner. You can start with a movie screening. Start with a scale that plays to your resources and strengths that you have available and the interest of the people that you're working with. And so I want to I want to underscore what you just said, because this is really important. Like you you start where you are and you actually take people where they are and build from that. I think it's really a danger 
to overreach to try to like if if you the the viewer are in a community where you don't feel like you have these kind of connections that Michael and I have been describing uh, and you're listening to oh my god uh, a rally at the courthouse and a march and an educational march stopping at three different places and then a festival and food and like that's just too much well you know what if you're thinking it's too much it almost surely is too much so don't do that you could literally do a movie screening, as Michael said. Uh, you can host uh, something at your local central labor council or uh, community center or worker center. Uh, like the point is you start where you are with the people that you know and you build out. You have aspirations to go higher and bigger, but don't feel like if you can't do the super bells and whistles that you shouldn't do anything because you can do something. Great. So you had the successful potluck and kind of evening last year. And then uh, where did the idea for, uh, in, in the case of this year, building on the success of last year, a more ambitious program come from? And where, when did you start that discussion with your collaborators? Well, it's interesting because I, I have to admit that uh, probably in mid-March, I went uh, to the Central Labor Council to say, hey, let's let's do this again, like, uh, and maybe something more, but at the very least, we've got to have another dinner. Uh, and at that time, the representatives of the Central Labor Council said, all right, well, at the, at the March uh, monthly meeting, we'll take it to the Central Labor Council and uh, see who would like to work with you on making that happen again. So here's the interesting thing. So I go there and then we find out uh, both I at co- as repping Cooperation Humboldt and uh, the Central Labor Council find out that Humboldt Grassroots has already got something planned uh, along the way. So both the Central Labor Council and Cooperation Humboldt pivot to Humboldt Grassroots and say, well, let's actually do this together. So I want to lift up Humboldt Grassroots who already were moving on like something bigger than merely just uh, a potluck uh, and an educational talk. So they were already moving. So you had Humboldt Grassroots and Cooperation Humboldt uh, and the Central Labor Council uh, interested in it. And as soon as we saw that, then in uh, early April, it began, well, let's actually see what else we can do. And of course, you'll remember, Michael, and I hope viewers and listeners will remember that in the last few years, the immigrant rights struggle has really taken up May Day uh, as a way to lift up immigrant rights. So, of course, we immediately went to Central del Pueblo, which is a community organization uh, of uh, uh, immigrants and, and the supporters of immigrant rights advocating for themselves, and we got them involved. But then we uh, also reached out to the Old Town Community Alliance, uh, which is a group of folks uh, who have been doing and creating some uh, free stores, of uh, open air, free markets, uh, uh, et cetera, brought them in. We also reached out to the Affordable Homeless Housing Alternatives Group. They're known as AHA to actually bring them in. So we ultimately quickly from one uh, group, two groups, three groups, uh, and then expanded uh, to eight different groups, all taking a little piece of the work, the promotion, the organization. Um, And so it really uh, took off. I mean, again, Humboldt Grassroots really deserves the lion's share of the accolades uh, for what they uh, what they were already doing, but I also want to uh, respect the fact that they very quickly said, "Okay, well, let's get 
the Central Labor Council and Cooperation Humboldt and Central del Pueblo and uh, uh, AHA and the Old Town Community Alliance, like, let's do this together. So that's that that uh, relationships that had already existed in other ways, we were able to 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 build on it and let it flourish up. I want to underline the different kinds of organizations that you're working with there. So there's the Central Labor Council. Uh, so in people's uh, communities, you, you are almost certainly within the domain of a Central Labor Council. Uh, there are also individual unions that you could be reaching out to. Uh, there are rank and file uh, movements like Solidarity or like Teamsters for Democratic Union. Uh, there are immigrant rights groups. There are tenant rights groups and housing groups. There are folks who are fighting for Medicare for all. There are uh, environmental groups, uh, local, you know, Sierra Club chapters, what have you. Be really uh, um, curious, right, about exploring where are the different centers of activity and and be motivated about seeking them out and reaching out to them and developing relationships with the people in those groups. And this is not something that requires for you to be in a major city or a, a huge urban center. Wherever you are, there are people who are doing work for the cause. And it's part of your job as an organizer to find those people and to develop relationships with them. Now, That's uh, right, Michael. Yeah. And, you know, look, whether you live in a super small town uh, or a mega, mega, megapolis, like whether you live in a suburban center, like wherever you live, work and play, that's the community that you ought to be organizing. And you build things to scale based on wherever you are. I want to give a quick shout out to Andy, who has plugged uh, two different events or, or an event in MacArthur Park in Los Angeles. Uh, SCIU Local 121 is having a march on May Day. And also looks like SAG-AFTRA, Federation of Labor, uh, is, is also going to be a part of that. That's at 3 p.m. at MacArthur Park in Los Angeles. So thank you, Andy, for contributing that May Day event to the comments. And David, I want to ask you about, um, well, first, so it, it took about six weeks uh, in for this planning and discussion and, and visioning process and the actual logistics of bringing people together. And I think six weeks is a, a maybe a good timeline with, with some cushion in it for, for people to think about planning an event like this. And, uh, and so what else would you like people to take away from your experience, uh, collaborating with this event and, uh, and, how people might maybe start making inroads uh, for future events. So there's, there's two things that I want to uh, really concretely say. Number one, remember that there isn't such a thing as organization to organization relationships. It comes down to people within organizations and people within organizations engaging. And that means treat each other with respect. Even if you have disagreement around tactics, even if you have differences, agreements, uh, around what is the most important or the most inspiring thing. If you recognize that you really, we really have only two enemies, Michael. We have the ruling elite, our class enemies, uh, and we have the growing fascist movement uh, of our own working class who have decided that they're going to side uh, with the ruling elite uh, in, uh, in, in a horrific display. So, Everybody else I look at is somebody who is either at best 
uh, my 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 potential uh, comrade, an ally, and at, at at least they are not my enemy, and I can find some common ground with them. So really treating individuals with respect is key. And then the next thing I want to uh, underscore is we should be looking proactively every couple of six to eight weeks. What is it that we could do? And you know what? I think that we as the Green Party uh, ought to be doing and then reaching out with other folks so that it's not just a Green Party event. I think that we ought to be looking at July 4th. And I think that we ought to recognize the horrific history uh, of this country, but also the incredible idea of breaking uh, from the tyranny of the mon- uh, monarchy uh, and the rule of kings. So what about this? What if Greens claimed and reframed July 4th as celebration of independence from corporate rule and interdependence on each other and with nature itself. And you see what I did there, Michael? I turned it into an eco-socialist approach, independence from corporate rule, interdependence with each other as human beings, and interdependence with the natural world and ecology. Great. And again, we're talking about the summer. This is a chance to be outside with each other. This is a chance to celebrate with each other while also calling attention to the struggle that we are building and that we, we are trying to build in our communities. And these are the kinds and of... And I'm going to tell you this, Michael. I, I want to actually make a, uh, a plug right now that you and I should make a commitment to reach out to the National Green Party, uh, uh, put this idea out there, and that... Uh, regardless, you and I will use a Greenway Forward uh, over the next couple of weeks. I know we've got some really exciting programs coming up, but let's actually dissect this. Let's actually make a challenge out to you, the viewer, listener, if you would be willing to participate on a July 4th uh, uh, event, independence from corporate rule, interdependence with each other and nature. Let's use a Greenway Forward as an organizing platform to actually do this. So the way to do that, folks, is to email us at agreenwayforward at gmail.com. Also sign up for our email list at agreenwayforward.org. And you can also, uh, you know, leave a comment here if you're interested in more information. And David and I can, can message you on Facebook. Uh, or you can, uh, we can include our, our, uh, profile page here in the comments and you can, you can send a friend request to us. And so we are really interested in, in using this as a, as a laboratory or an experiment for what we can do between now and July 4th to either add to or create events that are, as David described, uh, celebrating, uh, declaring independence from corporate rule and making July 4th an eco-socialist holiday. So declaring independence from the fossil fuels, declaring independence from the, uh, the corporate class and, and the, uh, all of the, the moneyed interests that are strangling the chances for a green new deal in our current system and, and saying, no, we need system change, not climate change. And, uh, we are planting that flag and declaring that revolution. Absolutely. And Michael, before uh, uh, we talk about our next show, I also want to say, remind folks uh, that we also, in that same spirit, uh, have an eco-socialism conference by Greens for Greens that's going to come up on September 28th in Chicago. Uh, We have Chase Iron Eyes. We have Bruce Dixon of the Black Agenda Report. We have Howie Hawkins 
who is seeking the Green Party's nomination for president and also the former gubernatorial candidate and and mayoral candidate and longtime Green Party activist. Uh, we have Sherry Honkala of the Poor People's Economic Human Rights Campaign, Jerome Scott of the League of Revolutionaries for a New America, Surin Mudalar of Socialism and Democracy, uh, and Kali Akuno of Cooperation Jackson, uh, Gloria Matera, uh, Richard Wolf, uh, Rich Whitney, Anita Rios, Melicia Figueroa. I mean, it's going to be fantastic. And if you can get to Chicago uh, in September 28th, you're going to want to be there. Just go to the uh, uh, link in the comment section or uh, uh, in the card right now, and let's collaborate uh, and go from May Day to uh, independence from corporate rule and interdependence on each other and the earth to September 28th Eco Socialism Conference by Greens for Greens. Excellent. And I want to give a quick plug for our upcoming episode of A Green Way Forward. I'm very excited that we will have an interview with Jane McAlevey. Uh, longtime members of our audience will know that I quote and cite Jane McAlevey whenever I can. She is the author of No Shortcuts, a guide to uh, organizing in this new Gilded Age, and also Raising Expectations and Raising Hell, her amazing memoir of her time working in the uh, trade union movement. Jane has uh, a lot of material online that you can dive into that I think would be fantastic May Day uh, listening material and reading material about uh, how we can actually organize to build the power we need to win. Winning is really important and understanding that that we have to have a certain amount of power that uh, in order to win what we want, but that there is a craft, there is a way to build the relationships of the kind we've been talking about this evening so that we have the community power that we need to beat the bosses and to beat the corporations. Well, thank you so much, Michael. Uh, and I want to thank you, Michael, for all that you do on this program as both co-host and producer and making all of the things work. I want to thank you, the viewer listener, for joining us. And we'll see you next week and in the streets. Peace. A Green Way Forward is broadcast live on Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time from Dr. Jill Stein's Facebook page. Subscribe to our podcast and e-newsletter at agreenwayforward.org to make sure that you never miss an episode. You can also find us and rate us on iTunes, with more podcast platforms being added each week. Our theme music is Retro Future Dirty by Kevin McLeod, whose fine music can be found at incomptech.com and is available for use under a Creative Commons attribution license. This is Michael O'Neill for David Cobb reminding you to please spread the word about A Green Way Forward and to send us your thoughtful questions and comments to agreenwayforward at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.